All right. Good evening, everybody. Um, I feel like I've been gone forever, even though I actually didn't miss class. <laughs> but it seems to me as if it was a, a long, long time ago. Um, but be that as it may, so I just, before we move on to the second part or the second version of Paraglamid in Tehillim here, so I just wanted to uh, to let you know that over the weekend, so I showed Rabbi Russell one of the uh, the Radak that we saw, that uh, as soon as a person feels disconnected from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so they lose the capacity to fight the Yitzhahara. That David HaMelech himself said that uh, that he start the Fanecha Ha'isin Yifhal, that as soon as you hid your face from me, you concealed yourself from me, which is another way of saying, I felt detached. So then I was overwhelmed, Bahala. So Bahala, we know, is related to like tohu vavohu. It's complete chaos in, in that state of, of being, in that state of mind. So it becomes very difficult for a person uh, to be able to uh, to be able to um, conjure up the uh, the capacity to fight off sin. And he was very excited by the uh, the marmakam. I was very happy that I was able to uh, to give him that uh, that marmakam. So that was uh, Baruch Hashem. It uh, it came out uh, very nice. Okay, so with that, so we're going to go ahead and we are now going to see this parak with uh, okay, it's on the screen there? Yes. Looks good. Okay. Looks good. Okay. Nivalik, let me just pull you guys up over here. Okay. So we, we begin again. Now remember, so last week when we did this, so the Radak's take on this whole parak is that although it begins with a discussion of Chanukah Sabayis Ladavid, the dedication of the uh, the Beis Hamikdash, after that first pasuk we don't mention anything about the uh, the Beis Hamikdash, and the main thrust of it uh, then is the fact that David Melech um, fought, and there was a, certainly an impression by others in the world at the time that. Uh, that Hakarish Baruch Hu, it would not, um, because of Davar Melech's sin, that Davar Melech and his son would not be the king anymore, and certainly they would not be able to build the Beis Hamikdash. And Hakarish Baruch Hu forgave Davar Melech, and as a result of that forgiveness, so that allowed um, that allowed uh, Shlomo Hamach to go ahead and build the Beis Hamikdash. So the main thrust of this uh, this capital, according to the Radak is forgiveness of sin, and it's all framed from the perspective of healing the neshama. So although there's a lot of illness and healing references, it refers to the illness of the soul and the healing of the soul. That was the redox take on the, the entire parak. And now comes along um, uh, uh, the Malbim, and he says as follows. So, Mizmor, Shir Chanukah, Sabai, David. So this is a song uh, in that David Melch saying at the time that he dedicated the Beis Hamikdash, so says the Malbim. Uh, let me just make this a little bit bigger. Okay, so he says. So Malbim explains. Hamizmor, I get it there. Hamizmor kulo yusa lases hodav bechaloso v'yichim mechaliyav. So this mizmor, this parak, revolves entirely around giving thanks to God, following one's illness and one's recovery from that illness. 
And it, there's no reference at all to the dedication of the Beis Hamikdash. So as we mentioned, the Radak goes that and says that it's all revolving around tshuva. But the Melvim is taking it more seriously. So if it's actually about illness and recovery about illness, so what at all does this have to do with the Beis Hamikdash? Why does it begin with this opening line, Mizmor Shir Chanukah Hamishli. So he says it's evident that bias over here does not refer to the Beis Hamikdash. According to the theme which the Malbim is going to structure, this is not a song about the Beis Hamikdash at all, but rather the term bias, Mizmor Shir Chanukas HaBayis, refers to the body itself. My body is my temple, or whatever that uh, phrase used to be. So he says that, Hu guf nefesh. And the reason why the body would be referred to as a home is because it is the dwelling place of the neshama. This is where the neshama resides. So the neshama, which comes from uh, from the heavens, needs a place to reside here in this world, and that is none other than the body. And it is the dwelling in the where the most precious part, the inner part of the inner world of the uh, of the person, which is the neshama, is going to be able to dwell. Because if you want to know who are you really, so if you want to define yourself in reality, the actual definition of who you are has to do with uh, your neshama, not your body. We often think of our body in terms of who we are as defining who we are. But here the Malbim says that David Amalek is really teaching that it's our neshama, which is the essence of who we are. And the body is really just the place where the soul is going to reside while it remains here entrapped inside in this physical world. Uh, And we'll skip the parentheses. And at the time that a person becomes ill, and here we're talking about physical illness, as rafafu amure so then the pillars, the foundation of the house, and it's uh, where it dwells. So all of that now becomes weakened. And then once a person heals, So then the house is resettled on its foundation, on its hill, on its place, and it's going to be able to remain there for the person's duration. So therefore, David Melch opens this particular capital, he opens this particular chapter with this statement of a song for the Chanukah Sabais, for the dedication of the house. based David Ha'atzmi. When it says Chanukah Sabais le David, so it's talking about David's house, meaning his own body, his own, the, the, his own um, body which became ill. And it is the dwelling of his neshama, which was rededicated when he healed from his illness. So this is now the theme. This whole theme, according to the Malvim, is a song about uh, recovery from illness. Now the next Pasuk says, he says, I will extol you, Hashem, I will elevate you, Hashem, because you have lifted me up, and you did not let my enemies rejoice over me. So if we're talking about the illness of the body, so this now becomes a very curious phrase, 
what kind of enemies are we talking about over here that would be residing in the body? So the Malbim explains. He says, So initially, we address this in general terms. That during David Amalek's illness, when he was in the hospital and they were saying, I guess, Mishaberach's for him in shoals, or they announced that. So my enemies rejoiced. They were all excited about that uh, that uh, hearing that David Amalek was not well. And they were pretty certain that David Amalek was going to die. So everybody knows that David Amalek had many enemies during his lifetime, many Jewish enemies during his lifetime. And David Amalek says that when I became ill, all of my enemies got so excited because they thought that this was certainly going to be my demise. And like it says elsewhere in Tehillim, the Atah and you, Hashem, you lifted me up from my illness. You took me out of that circumstance of my illness. And as a result of the fact that I was able to recover, my enemies did not have a chance to rejoice. They were upset at the fact that I went ahead and I recovered because they were banking on the fact that I was going to die. Then we say, Hashem Elokai, Shivati Alecha V'tipraini. Now this one already, we would take Pashtup Shat, the, the Radak had to play around with. Here, the Malbim could take this literally, that Hashem, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. So obviously, according to the Malbim, what this refers to is that Aleph, the first thing is that Refuasi, Lo Haisa Aidei Teva, that my recovery was not something which made sense according to nature. The doctors themselves had given up. They, they said there's no way, no how, that he's going to be able to recover from this. Rak shavati elecha, and since the doctors weren't going to be able to help me, my alternative was I called out to you, I cried out to you in prayer, and you went ahead and you healed me. And it was not medicines, it wasn't alternative medicines, it wasn't acupuncture, it wasn't any one of those things. It was only you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who came along and healed me as a result of my crying, as a result of my davening to you. And Hashem, that Halisa Nafshi, Mish Nafshi, you brought my soul out of the depth. Uh, and you preserved me, meaning you gave me life, uh, which uh, made sure that I, I would not fall into the pit. Both the Sheol, the place of Sheol in Dor, so we said from the Radak that those both referred to Gehenim. So here, when we're talking about from the Malbim's perspective, that we're talking about an illness which David Amel suffered from, so we could go ahead and we could talk about this in an almost literal sense, that Dovr said, I was on the brink of death, and yet you healed me. So he says, Sibas Chali, the reason, uh, he says, the reason for my illness, Dovr says that these resulted from my sins and from the illness of my soul. Being that, my soul became ill, became unhealthy. And because of the uh, the illness, which was ravaging through my soul that I had committed, so my physical body also became ill. So here, David Melch is saying an interesting idea that in his circumstance, 
what happened was that it was his spiritual illness which led to his physical ailments. But it originated in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual origin, rather than a physical one. And being that, even though I was on the brink of death, both physically and spiritually, by you lifting my soul out of Sheol, out of that place of death, meaning meaning that you went ahead and you forgave if the origin of my physical illness and being on the brink of physical death stemmed from what was going on on my spiritual level. So the first step in healing my physical self was to go ahead and atone for my sins. So that's the first phrase of uh, uh, you lifted me up uh, from the Sheol. Let me get the exact wording here. I'm very bad with that. You are, you are, you lifted me up. You lifted my soul from Sheol. So, so as a result of that, my soul, my spiritual soul did not descend, did not fall into the depth and destruction. And then once my soul was healed, so just like the soul, my neshama was the origin of my physical illness. So in the same way, once I healed my soul, my physical body healed as well. So I was able to recover from my illness, meaning so that had impact on my physical body as well. So here David Amalek is intertwining together your spiritual state of being with your physical state of being, both in terms of the origin of physical illness and the recovery from physical illness. Now, the Ramban tells us already that we're not really on this level to do this nowadays. We go ahead and we look at physical illness as physical illness, and that's why we go to doctors rather than going to rabbis when we're when we're not well, because we want to get the, we do want the medicine to go ahead and help, and we hope that the doctor is going to be the shliach or the uh, for our, uh, for our physical recovery, but in a pure state. So these two things, our physical condition and our spiritual condition are intertwined with one another. And what lays the foundation for everything is our spiritual state of being. Yeah, Alan. So is this like a parallel to Saras? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Saras would be one example of this thing where a spiritual ailment leads to a physical ailment. Right. And he says, in this connection between my spiritual well-being and my physical well-being is explicit in a pasuk later on in Tehillim, in Per Kuv Gimel, where it says, that you are the one who forgives all of the sins, and then once all the sins are forgiven, so by the same token, you heal all of the illnesses. So, so these two things go hand in hand with one another. And then, as a result of this, so, so we say that the pious ones, the chasidim, so they're going to sing to Hashem, and they're going to give thanks to His holy name. So, here it's a little bit curious, if we're talking about Davin HaMelech commenting about his own life, his own spiritual ailments, which resulted in his physical uh, illness, and then his own, the tshuva, the repentance for his 
spiritual ailments, which led to his physical recovery. So why does that lead the pious ones to go ahead and sing to God and give thanks to his holy name? So explains the Malbim. So based on this, we could say, that those who are pious are going to sing to God. That is, when they say, so that means they're praising God directly. God is great. That's it. Without any qualifiers, without any explanation of it, it's simply a direct praise of God. And then, but on the other hand, the gam hodu But not only do they praise God directly, that's direct praise of God, but also when it comes to giving thanks, when it comes to hoda'a, so that they, they give, it doesn't say l'hashem, it doesn't say they're being modet to Hashem. When it comes to thanks, it says l'zecher kadsho, the memory of his name, the mentioning of his name. She'edea tovos zochrim masa Hashem. Because Thanks, by its very definition, is we're thanking Hashem for something. Praise, we can praise God just for his very existence. So that's why the first part is the Zamru Hashem Chasidam. So we're 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 singing to Hashem, we're praising Hashem. Or the, the pious ones are praising Hashem for his very existence. And they're also now when we talk about giving thanks, the Hodu, that is the Zechan Kasho, that's what we remember, his holy remembrance or holy commemoration, meaning when we contemplate what exactly he has done for us. So this is much more on a practical level where we can acknowledge what Hashem has done. So when we think about what Hashem has done, that's when we go ahead and we give thanks to his name. Now David Amel continues, because ki rega Hashem's anger is for a moment, but when he wants, when he switches, he shifts over. So he goes out and he provides life based on when he wants to. At nighttime, people go to sleep while sleeping. But in the morning, there are going to be songs, shouts of joy, or there's going to be songs. So what's going on over here in terms of that uh, we begin with this Hashem's anger, but then the restoration of life and going to sleep while crying and then waking up with this joyous song on the alarm clock, telling us time to get up for Dafyomi. So what is all that? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hear in the morning. So, so, he, so he says that Shizman Ha'af, Mal explained, Shizman Ha'af lo nimshach harbe rak rega. God's anger does not last, does not extend for a lengthy period of time. It is nothing more than but a moment. And not only is it a great advantage and a great gift that Hashem grants us, that he doesn't get uh, angry for an extended period of time. But there's a second thing, which is, at the time of God's anger, so even when he gets angry, still he continues to support life. And he continues to infuse life and grant life according to his will. And this is one of those principles which um, Rav Moshe Cordovero in the Tomer Devora goes at and elaborates on this great um, kindness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that even at the moment that we're about to sin, we're taking the resources and the energy and the life which God has gifted us with, and we use those things against him to rebel against him when we sin, and yet Hashem doesn't pull the plug on us. 
he allows us to go ahead and sin with his resources, with his energy, with the life which he has given to us, because he expects that eventually, or he hopes, that eventually we're going to go ahead and we're going to do tshuva. So here, Davar Melech is saying this, a, a similar type of idea, that even when Hashem gets angry at us, nonetheless, the continued our continued existence is Birtsono exists only because the Ratzon Hashem, God's will is that we should exist. It's only because the will of God is that I should live. When Hashem gets angry, not that Hashem actually gets angry, but when Hashem appears as if he is getting angry, when we have the impression that God is angry, God's anger is never punitive. It's never, okay, that's the end of the story, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to kill you. Rock, so what is the point of God's anger if not to punish? It's only because the anger and the manifestation of that anger, which may be some form of suffering or another, one form of suffering or another, so ultimately that is to lead to the forgiveness of the sins, and it will ultimately restore my life to me. In other words, it may be a difficult process to go ahead and um, extract the illness, the spiritual illness from the body. You can think of it having to do a surgery to remove something which is causing pain or something which is disruptive to, uh, to the body. So the surgery and the recovery from surgery are certainly a painful process, but it's one that we hope at the end of the day is going to provide greater health. You get a clean bill of health afterwards because all of the disease and all of the bad parts of the, uh, the toxicity which was in the body has now been removed. And now all that's left is healthy tissue. So when we have the impression of God being angry, it's not a punitive anger. It's done in order to ultimately bring us back to a full and healthy life. And we go ahead and we sort of co co compact that time and we say as if that it's only at nighttime that we go to sleep while crying as we're contemplating our sins and we're thinking about the devastating impact of our sins. And then in the morning, so song emerges. As if to say that the anger of God begins at night and ends in the morning, but that's it. That's the totality of the anger. Whatever purpose there was in that anger, whatever goal there was in that anger, whatever cleansing we need to experience from that anger. So it begins when we go to sleep at night. It ends when we wake up in the morning. And we wake up in the morning with a clean slate. This uh, highlights the uh, what we emphasize in the morning is part of the uh, the bracha that we say with Netil HaSedayim, where we say, Elokai, Neshama Shenasata Bitahorahi. So the soul, every morning when we wake up, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu restores our soul, so we say with a full-hearted belief, the Emunah Shlema, that the Neshama which you have restored to me is completely Tahor. So that means whatever I may have done yesterday, which may have dirtied it or made it a little bit filthy or dulled it or whatever you would say, whatever uh, parable that you would use or metaphor you would use for the impact of the sin, that's only until you go to sleep. And when you sleep overnight, there is the, uh, the, uh, the cleansing process takes place. And then you wake up in the morning and it is a neshama tahora. So that is what David Amalek is praising God for what we experience. 
And then he continues, and he says, I said in my serenity, I said in good times, that I am solid, I am strong, I'm um, uh, like uh, um, uh, strong as a bull, and nothing is going to move me. I am that immovable um, object in the uh, in the universe. So what is that about? Uh, yeah. So then David Amalek says that now he's going like backwards. He's going. He's now talking about his pre-illness thinking process. And in his pre-illness thinking process, he says, Ani, sorry, wrong place. Ani I thought that life and my health is something which is natural. Exercise regularly, eat healthy, don't have processed food, don't have dye, red, whatever that uh, that stuff is. Uh, in the, you know, the, make sure not to have too much uh, of anything because anything, uh, according to some diet, is going to be dangerous. So pretty much live on water, as long as it's healthy water, and everything is going to be fine. The odd, and we get we, we develop the impression that as long as I maintain a healthy body, so then it's, uh, it's not possible that I'm going to get sick. Because if I eat healthy and I exercise regularly and I go out and I meditate and I do yoga and I breathe and I go in the cold and all of those good healthy things. So all of that is going to prevent me from ever becoming ill. And that's what David Amalek meant when he said that I was able to declare in my serenity. What does it mean that I was able to declare in my serenity? It should be shalom, really, begufi. As long as I am, uh, sorry, is shalev begufi. As long as I have serenity in my body, and I'm able to take my kalgan bath, you know, take me away, and I'm able to uh, to live that uh, healthy, relaxed lifestyle. And I will not. You will not be able to find, or will not be able to trace in my body anything which is destructive or disruptive. By having a conflict between different fundamental aspects of the body, between breathing and blood flow and brain and all those other things. So as long as all the systems are getting along in the playground and they're all willing to play nicely with one another. So my thinking was that I could never be harmed. Nothing could ever go wrong. And I'm going to maintain that healthy lifestyle, not only you know, through my 20s, but through my 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and beyond. So I am strong. I am bull. Nothing is going to be able to, uh, to get sick. Strong as a horse. But now, no delete. David Amalek says, I am now keenly aware, despite the fact that I took care of myself, and despite the fact that I made an effort to go ahead and maintain this healthy body for the for my neshama to have a healthy, strong place to be able to reside, I am now aware, I'm now keenly aware of the fact that a person's life is not something that he controls through a good diet and through exercise, but rather, ultimately, it's going to be in God's hands and God's will. And we've all, you know, know stories both, well, you know, one way or the other, right? Jim Fix was the marathon guy who died while running, right? 
And then everybody undoubtedly has seen the, you know, a video interview of some guy or some woman in their 90s who smoke and drink their entire lives. And they're still kicking. They outlived all of their friends. They're on no medication whatsoever. And they're not only that, but they continue to drink Coke. So there, they go ahead and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with them. So it doesn't really make a difference, although that doesn't mean that we're not advocating an unhealthy lifestyle. But we all know that at the end of the day, it's going to be a Kodesh Baruch decision. Because you could try one way and end up, uh, you know, dying early, and you could live the other way, and you could end up living for an unhealthy lifestyle and end up living a long time. Because all that really exists is, now the pasuk continues, that Hashem Bitsoncha, he's Hamadati Lahari owes that Hashem, it it was your will alone that established my mountain as a stronghold, meaning my my good health, which made me strong as a mountain, which make me made me this uh, immovable force in the universe. I now realize it has nothing to do with eating healthy. It has nothing to do with uh, regular exercise. What it has to do with is Britson Cha. Your will is what gives me the ability to be this strong mountain, the per- type of person who doesn't get sick. But the flip side of that is he start a fanecha as soon as you, God, go ahead and conceal your face and you decide to look away even for a moment. Then I realized that I was now exposed to the elements. I was now exposed to COVID and whooping cough and measles and mumps and all of the other uh, great diseases which are out there, which we're hopefully vaccinated from. And and then all of a sudden I was, I became a scaredy pants. I was terrified of my shadow. I was afraid of everything which is going on because God ultimately went ahead and turned his face away from us. And that's the detachment from God, and that's the scariest place to be in the universe, uh, detached from God. And that's why he explains over here that uh, Ha'oz, or Ha'oz, the strength which David Amalek is describing in this particular uh, section, Shalav Amara Harshali, that it, this is where my mountain stood. What does he mean when he says the mountain? What's the uh, the parable for that? Hainu chaye gufi. This is talking about my physical life. So my physical life was strong and solid. Only b'ritzoncha. Al-mechono chaye The foundation of my entire healthy existence was not my good eating. And it was not my uh, my regular exercise. But at the end of the day, that may contribute, and that may be part of our obligation of hishtadlus. We're not trying to downplay that as a as an uh, uh, an exercise in hishtadlus. Sorry for the pun. But what this is is at the end of the day, it has to be Hashem's ratzon. That somebody who's going to be healthy and somebody who's going to be well. So it's only because of the ratzon of Hashem. It's only on your ratzon, on your will, and with your consent, God, that the lofty mountain, the mountain which extends all the way up into the heavens, and it's so strong and it's so solid. That's what one of the things that mountains represent is this great power of uh, because it's so it's so majestic and it's something which is uh, so strong. So all of that ultimately is your ratzon. It's your will, God, which allows me to be there. Ube'es, in the flip side of that, as we said, is, ki that if the entire foundation of my strength and my, um, my, uh, my uh, healthy existence 
is the fact that you're Ratzon, that you want me to be in that position, you want me to be healthy, and you want me to be strong. The flip side of that means that if at any point you go ahead and turn away, and that's no longer your Ratzon, so then a person could almost immediately go into this very ill state of existence. And then I became frightened. If the mountain represents my strength in my good health, so as soon as God turns away, I see the mountain as my foundation in the parable. That's my foundation. So I now see that begin to falter. I see that begin to crumble. There's like an earthquake taking place beneath me. And no matter how solid my foundation is of the house, which is built on that mountain, if the entire mountain begins to shake because of an earthquake, then my house is going to shake as well. It's impossible for my house not to shake. Kimatu yisodosav vishiosav. Because the foundation and the walls have now begun to falter. Not that they're faltering away from the mountain, but the entire mountain is shaking. And once the entire mountain is shaking, everything which is implanted in, or everything which is built into the mountain, is by very definition also going to shake. To the point where it's such an interesting perspective on illness for David Melch, but he says that to the point where my illness was not uh, the result of uh, a specific hashkacha pratis directing an illness in my direction, sending an illness in my direction. But where does that illness come from? It comes from the fact that God turns away and he withholds hashkacha pratis. So it's not as if hashkacha pratis causes the illness, that the hashkacha pratis directs the illness towards a person. What happens is almost the opposite. Hashem turns away and he ignores. And when he turns away, then illness will then fill that void all on its own. So the illness comes on its own from the lack of hashkacha. It's not that hashkacha remains in place, but the hashkacha is, the divine providence is that the person should get ill. It's Hashem withholds his hashkacha pratis. He turns away and doesn't watch anymore. And as soon as he turns away and doesn't watch, so that's when the illness has an opportunity to uh, to sneak in and manifest itself. Then David Amalek continues that at that point, I'm uh, sorry, Elech Hashem Ekra, Ve'el Hashem Eschanon. So to you, Hashem, I call, and to my master, the word Adon, so the master, Eschanon, I go ahead and I translate it as beseech you, but it means that Chanun means to ask Hashem for a free gift. So I'm not trying to invoke something which I've earned over the course of my lifetime, because I certainly haven't earned enough to uh, to uh, to expect anything. And therefore, all I can ask for from HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a, a, a generous gift. So explains the Malbim. Tfilasi, David Amalek says that my Tfilah, that during my illness, so that leads me to turn to you, Hashem, directly and to nobody else. I'm not relying on the doctors. I'm not relying on the hospital. I'm certainly not relying on the insurance company. I'm not relying on anybody else. All I can really rely upon, Akash Baruch Hu, is you. And even to you, Hashem, I'm going to beseech. I'm going to ask for this free gift. I cannot, I have no protection. There's nobody who's going to be able to help me because we've all heard stories as well 
of a person who had an illness. The doctors thought it was treatable, it was manageable. It's a very simple protocol to follow. And yet the medicine didn't take and the person deteriorated, deteriorated, deteriorated to the point where he wasn't uh, there anymore. So that's because if HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not will it, it's not going to happen. doesn't matter how easy the doctors may think it will be. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want it to be, it's not going to be. And Atzfila Haisa Bavur Hashem Ukevot Shemo. And Dovna Melech then goes ahead and he says that the tefillahs which I said, which I asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu for recovery, was not for my sake, but rather it was for the honor and the sake of God. I didn't daven that I should have a, an additional life, I should have an extended life, because that benefits me. The reason why I asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, to give me longer life, to heal me, and to give me longer life, was only that I should have the capacity to give thanks to you and to be able to serve you. That was my goal and that was my motivation in davening for Rafur Shlema because so that I could use the continuation of my life for this productive outcome and this elevated outcome of thanking God and serving Him. And that was my sole motivation of why I wanted to live longer. Not because I wanted to have many things on my bucket list that I haven't yet done, and not because I wanted to see a baseball game in every professional uh, you know, stadium around the uh, country. It wasn't for any one of those things. It was simply so that I could thank you and that I should be able to continue to serve you. Because Davina Malf says, that was the Nusach. That's how I composed my prayer, was to revolve around this specific point, to be able to thank Hashem and to be able to continue to serve Him. And that was my, my motivation in life. Um, because I said, what is there going to be gained from my death, from the spilling of my blood or my death? And what's going to be gained in the event that I fall into the pit, afar, do you think that the dust is going to go ahead and praise you? When somebody's dead, are they going to be able to proclaim your truth? Nothing of the sort, because none of these things are none of these things happen to somebody who has who has passed away. Explains the Malbim Vihine. Behold, the he says, Dabramel says that if I continue to be alive, there'll be a benefit and a gain from my life. Only in the event that I can give thanks to you and I can praise you. That's the only real value that we can assign to our lives is to be able to praise God and give thanks to God. Not when we can contribute professionally. Not in any, although that may be part of Avodah Hashem, but it has nothing to do with the just wanting to live because our instincts are that we want to live. David Melch said, when push comes to shove, I want to live so that I should be able to praise you and give thanks. Aval bidami. But when it comes to, but it, when, uh, but my blood, meaning, if I were to become silenced because I'm dead, and I were to, my movements were to stop, so if I'm dead, so what God are you going to gain from my existence if I no longer exist, if I'm dead? There's nothing to be gained. I can't contribute anymore. And what benefit is there going to be for you, God, 
in the event that I end up in Gehenim, because as long as I'm still alive, that I can give thanks for all the goodness which you do. So my capacity to give thanks is rooted, is built on the, the, my continued existence. But could the dirt go ahead and give thanks to you? The dirt, obviously, or if I'm in the dirt, could we go ahead and give thanks to you? Obviously not. Base and number two, he says, is Kozman Shenichai Odia Mitius Mikavar Hashem Ashkachasa Viniflosov. As long as I'm alive, I can recount your truth. That's the Hayagid Amitacha. I can say over the true elements of your existence, as well as I can talk about the Kavod and the Ashkacha, the divine providence which is manifest in this world. Avabimosi, but if I'm dead, so. Will I be able to go ahead and recount your truths and be able to share that with anybody and publicize it? Nothing of the sort. And therefore, Davra Mel says, Shema Hashem Hashem that I want you to hear me, Hashem, and have mercy on me or compassion on me, and Hashem be my help. Meaning, is a continuation of the previous pasuk. That Shema Hashem Bechaneni, I want you to hear Hashem, and I want you to be compassionate. That means I want you to allow me to rise from my illness. I should recover from my illness, and I should be up and about. The Hashem Heye Ozerli, and the Hashem, I want you to be my assistant. In there, ultimately, my goal is to be able to give thanks to you. So I need these things not for me, but in order that I should be able to fulfill my capacity as one who can praise you. You, Hashem, by allowing me to heal, so you turned the misbed, you turned the lament, or you turned the eulogy into dancing. And you undid the sackcloth, which is reminiscent and expressive of mourning, of Avelus, and you have now girded me or you surrounded me with simcha. Meaning what? We have to go through this a little bit quick just because of time. He says, V'hine, Davmach says, Hine, Ra'isi shegamata shamati tfilasi bavur tachlizeh. Davmach now says, God, I could sense that you heard and you, you accepted the tefillah which I directed towards you to g- g- extend my life, not for my sake, but for your sake. Because the fact that you went ahead and you transformed my mourning in my lament, in my eulogy, into a dance, this is based on what we're going to read in the next Pasuk, so that we should be able to go ahead and sing to your honor. And Davramach is creating this image as if the world or Klai Yisrael had already gathered. There was a rumor going around saying that David Melch had already died. So therefore, there was obviously if David Melch is dying, he's not eulogizing himself. So he's saying that what happened was is that there were false rumors. Hamas reported his death. You can never trust them. So they went ahead and they reported his, uh, his death. And as a result of that, everybody gathered together to eulogize him. Upisam Chazabon Shama. And then all of a sudden, he recovered. To the surprise of everybody, they thought they heard the death rattle, I guess, and his breathing was slowing down, and his heart rate was slowing down, and they were all certain that he was going to die. 
And all of a sudden, he comes back to life. And it was such an exciting moment that the people who had initially gathered for the purpose of eulogizing David Amelch, because they were certain that he was on the brink of death, and they stood around his bed, they began to dance, they began to celebrate with all sorts of circle dancing. And not only did the people who had gathered to eulogize now begin to dance, but my sackcloth was opened, meaning, until now he was wearing, I guess a sack would be a, the equivalent of a hospital gown. So I was wearing some sort of sackcloth, because of my sin. And now, Davra Melech said, now that I realize, now that I've recovered physically, that must mean that I recovered spiritually as well, that I was forgiven for my sin. Sin, when, we were, when we're, we've sinned and we're punished for our sin. So that's when one would wear sackcloth. So that's what Davra Melech, when he became ill, he realized that it must be something related to his sin. So he went around wearing sackcloth. And as he got sicker and sicker, he remained in the sackcloth. Now that he recovered, so he changes over into regular clothing. In the place of the sackcloth, so now he's going to be surrounded and he's going to be girded with joy. And why did you, Hashem, go ahead and give me this recovery? Why did you allow me to have this uh, almost, or if not uh, an actual miraculous recovery? Last Pasuk. So that, and this is what we mentioned before, so that the word for the soul over here is kavod. Kavod in this context refers to the soul. So in order that my soul, Yizamercha, should be able to sing to you, and it's not going to be silenced. Hashem, my God, I'm going to thank you forever. As the Malbu mentioned, that was the entire purpose of his tefillah for recovery is so that la so that forever I will be able to give thanks to you. Explains the Malbim on this last pasuk. Kedesha nefesh should be That the reason why you did this, the reason why you allowed me to recover, you restored my life, was so that the nefesh which is inside of me which is called, in this context, it's not called nefesh or neshama, but it's called kavod, it's called honor, in order that it should be able to go ahead and sing a song to you, God, below you, dome, in that the, my soul should not cease, should not stop, should not be silenced. The yifsak aideha misa minaim zimros Israel, Because if I were to die, then my songs would cease to be sung. So in order to have a continuation of this song, Davra Melch says, you need it, that's why you went ahead and forgave me, so that I should be able to continue to sing these songs. Vimkain, and accordingly, that being that, now that it should be really the Iker Tachlis, of why you went ahead and you restored my life, the reason why you allowed me to recover from my illness, even though I was on the brink of death, was was specifically for the goal that I should be able to sing to you. And therefore, David Melch says, I'm going to fulfill that purpose. The exact reason why you gave me back my life was so that I should sing songs to you. And therefore, that's not my life's mission. My life's mission is to go ahead and sing these songs. And 
And therefore, my lifelong commitment now, for the duration of my life, is the Olam Odek is forever now to go ahead and give thanks to your name. And this is the way the Mal, as we said, this is the way the Malbim understands this uh, this uh, this particular capital, this particular uh, chapter. So, which moment or which process was the actual Hanukkah Sabayas? So that he, he said that the, the Hanukkah Sabayas was the the, the uh, restoration of the body, the healing of the body. The body he said was the um, was its um, the housing of the soul. And he linked together the illness of the soul and the illness of the body. So it was the rededication based on um, his uh, his uh, his healing, his refuah sanefesh and refuah saguf. Okay, so this time, for real now, uh, we're going to go ahead and next week we're going to begin with uh, L'chan Dodi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at the regular time, 7 o'clock uh, Chicago time, 8 o'clock on the East Coast. And don't forget on 